Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about the universal principles or the laws of the universe. So it is believed that an Egyptian god Thoth or Hermes wrote principles that describe how this universe works. But most of his work were lost. And right now we have available his condensed knowledge in a book called The Cabellion. It has been written by the unknown author First, I want to understand whether this book describes the true laws of the universe as Thoth had intended them to be described. Can we trust this book? Sure. Well, at first, I need to make a couple of clarifications about the statements that you made earlier because... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from different perspectives, they sound... Um, some of them are incorrect, others uh, just are limiting, and uh, yet others are um, just fun- funny sounding. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is indeed a consciousness that you would describe as Toth or Hermes. Um, it still exists, um, albeit not, you know, incarnated on this planet. And you mentioned that it's an Egyptian god, I believe. And, uh, you know, it basically, uh, what was it, downloaded the laws of the universe, you said, or just presented it to people or something like that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first things first, um, everything that Toth, uh, th- this consciousness spoke about is not necessarily, quote unquote, the, lo- the laws of the universe at large or the, the laws of the broader universe. But, um, you know, in, in, in their true form, there are the laws of the matrix, really. So they are a so description. Y- you mean there is a big difference between the laws of the matrix and the laws of the universe? There are many definitions of what a universe is. Oh. On this plane and other planes. Technically speaking, the universe is everything that has ever existed, Right. Right. In its entirety, which is only partially the matrix. There is a vast world that's outside of the matrix, including the source energy, that cannot be reduced to hermetic principles, the way Toth described them. Right. I see what you mean. Okay, that now makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like everything else, the hermetic principles describe a certain view of the world right a view of existence and it is actually a really really good description of how the matrix works the reason being is because the same consciousness that came down that 
you know, came into a bodily physical incarnation and called uh, itself Hermes, um, is one of the architects of the matrix. So it is actually a collective mission of the architects of the matrix and Toth was one of the original ones. So he's the one that built the second version of the matrix, which was, uh, let's just say way older than this current version that you're experiencing. Um, at the same time, all the new renditions of the matrix and matrix has been reloaded many times. Not every time the matrix gets reloaded, the matrix gets reloaded is considered the new matrix. Only if the patch that has been uploaded to it is a significant upgrade, let's say. They could call that. It's like a 2.0, 3.0, But basically, uh, this consciousness that called itself Toth, or you call Toth, however um, you want to look at it, um, is one of the original architects. And so it really has a good understanding of the principles that this matrix slash virtual reality structure that um you all exist within currently yeah um because that's that's part partly his creation he really understands how that works so the collective exercise of the architects was to basically they were watching the the matrix and they were watching souls so to say um, other aspects of consciousness descend into incarnations and go through their day-to-day and they were pulling their hairs out kind of because what was happening was a misuse of some of the very basic laws and principles that they put into the fabric of of, of this world right so it basically people were getting everything wrong more often than not and it was incredibly frustrating for the architects to be watching this because the architects actually have they're here on a mission so to say or in general they're they're driven by a mission of developing a system for humanity and other different species right outside of planet earth just in general developing a system a mathematical system a system that's driven by a set of mathematical equations that would enable the greatest progress for the different races and the different uh, streams of consciousness now um, what they were watching was um, a lot of trial and error, but not a lot of success. And so it was decided that one of them was going to take a physical incarnation, uh, specifically on planet Earth, and, you know, um, this same uh, soul has incarnated on other planets as well um, in the Milky Way galaxy and the neighboring galaxies. And, you know, some other architects travel to other remote worlds as well. And they uh, brought forth, you know, during these incarnations, they actually maintained a lot of the, um, like, the memories, right? So as they descended into the matrix, they didn't necessarily forget the way, like, a traditional human would or a traditional entity would. Um, and so they were able to teach having, um, the, like, the higher perspective. Uh, so they came as teachers, and the intention for that was to enable the creatures of the matrix to understand the laws better, right? And really um, minimize trial and error and maximize progress. Um, so that was the original intention. So that which you call Toth is actually um, an architect 
Um, but it's also a collective name for um, a few different creatures that actually came uh, and descended on planet Earth a few times. So it, it's it's been more than 10 times, actually, that this consciousness came to this planet one way or another uh, in both physical incarnations as well as through uh, pretty extensive um, you know, channeling experience um, to like a, a shell organism um or kind of almost like a you know when, when they take over um like a biological human that doesn't necessarily have a soul so it's a, it's like a channeling experience but it's through one particular person that kind of like ends up inhabiting uh or embodying that consciousness so basically long story short is that consciousness came many times and the intention has always been the same too. And the intention is to make this matrix world um, a lot easier to understand and to make it, quote unquote, masterable, something you can master, right? Um, so that's the, uh, the why and, and the who behind uh, the hermetic principles. Mm -hmm. So we can call them the principles of the matrix. Correct. Mm -hmm. Got it. So it seems like this people or like entities came uh, to this planet, uh, but a lot of this knowledge um, have been lost. Yeah. Oh, it's been, uh, it has been lost so many times. Every time there is a new civilization, one of the architects comes down, you know, they kind of give the, uh, give the knowledge. Um, it's generally given in a written form as well as the spoken word. This is generally a combination. Um, this particular one that your civilization remembers came from the Emerald Tablets, right? Yeah. Uh, again, very connected to ancient Egypt. Uh, but there were so many channelings around it, and there were a lot of scrolls um, to go and um, to go around it, and, you know, a lot of kind of like scriptures that were written. Um, and the reason the Emerald Tablet was really used was because... Um, a, it was used as a more permanent material because it just happened so that scrolls are very, very easy to burn, right? And etching something in stone uh, presumably would have had more longevity. So that's one. Two, etching something into an emerald is actually a tough act to follow because emerald is a, a, is a stone that's, as you're etch etching into it, um, it's actually a very breakable stone. So to be able to etch something into an emerald, you by definition have to have higher dimensional technologies, like specifically laser. In this case, it was laser etching. Um, and it was already a symbol in and of itself that this is a creature of higher consciousness. So, and, you know, higher means, so to say. And then in, in, in general, emerald is green green is obviously the heart center and in general emerald is the symbol of abundance um, of things thriving things growing and in general personal evolution mm. uh, and collective evolution so um, that is why last time that the architect came um, emerald has been used as a medium through which the message was supposed to get to posterity which it kind of did right yeah um, I believe you also did ask a question around, um, Kibalion. Kibalion. Yeah, yeah. Kibalion. um, so 
it's interesting because um, every time a great teacher comes, right, um, and then speaks in the language that's understandable to that great teacher, and, and, and arguably great teachers are Christians with, with higher consciousness, right, so with higher understanding, and yet they are coming to talk to quote-unquote normal average people. So unless they take the time and the effort to almost dumb things down and really, you know, put them in words then that anybody can understand, very often their knowledge goes um, unused, underutilized, or misunderstood. So it, it's really useless unless you provide, like, the uh, definitions for everything and, like, the interpretation, yeah. right? So the Emerald Tablet itself is too small to be able to contain or it's, it's really it would have been impossible to write out like a full i don't know 300 page book in so there is a companion that was created alongside it um is Kabbalion a true book yes and big chunks of it were um you know received again from higher dimensional entities as well as other architects who were not in the body at the time when when this companion uh, was created it was also a book that was created collectively. It wasn't just one person, mm -hmm. but it is supposed to um, ensure that the Emerald Tablets are interpreted in the way that they were supposed to be interpreted. Um, and, you know, some dark force couldn't have overtaken the truth and twisted the truth and, you know, turned it into something that uh, would not serve humanity, but do the opposite. Hmm. You got it. Okay, so I'm just making sure that we can use this uh, book as a base for i guess our conversation today because i want to learn more about these principles because these principles are described already in the Kabbalion. Um but maybe you could expand and uh, give us more clarification about these principles um, yeah absolutely and again like um the principles um are true for every dimension within this matrix right uh, whether it's, I don't know, 3D or 10D, doesn't really matter. Now, uh, the Kabbalion is a companion built specifically for third-dimensional worlds and specifically for planet Earth. There are different companions for other planets and other dimensions. Um, so the reason I'm, I'm saying this, or I guess the point of this, is that it is fairly simplified and when you're trying to simplify things you're not you inevitably have to leave big chunks of uh, in the information out otherwise it just becomes too overwhelming yeah yeah that's all i'm gonna say on that okay that's cool so maybe we can um now dig a little bit deeper into uh, each principle so um i would like to start with the first one um i think it's the of foundation the principle of mentalism uh the all is mind the universe is mental yeah uh, what does this principle mean uh can you give us the explanation of this principle yeah so it's kind of like uh how should i put it so one thing you have to understand about the matrix, right? And as we know that this is the first principle of the matrix is that how you should think of it is everything is mental, meaning the matrix is intellectual. The way you should read it is the matrix is an intellectual system. 
So I keep kind of like saying that, that the matrix is a system of mathematical equations. And that pretty much means exactly that. But like in the broader sense, the reason, the reason that this is the first principle is I think fascinating. Um, so what they're telling you is that they who created this matrix are basically mathematicians at heart or read it as nerds, right? So somebody who is a mathematician or a nerd or like uh, very much into like science would, you know, their creation would be very logical. It would be very precise. It would be very perfect, right? And you can think of it, uh, think of even human children, right? Like somebody who is like a, um, a, a, a writes in a programming language or somebody who like writes mathematical equations. It's a certain type of person and a personality, right? They have certain values, right? They're not very emotional. Uh, they're very logical, right? So again, that very masculine, so to say, um, uh, as opposed to like emotional feminine. So there are different kinds of creation in the universe. In order to be able to understand the matrix, matrix is the creation of beings, a set of beings. You need to understand who these beings are, right? And what their values are. Uh, we could have had ourselves a very creative and emotional system that would have been very feminine focused and, and, and could have a lot of like Venus energies in it. But that's not what matrix is. So the first principle really points is like a finger pointing type principle at exactly who created it. So in order to understand the creation, you need to understand the creator, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. Right. So um, basically, uh, everything is mental, points to the main value of the system architects, which is logic. You know, one plus one equals two is kind of really important for these individuals. Like they love law and order. They uh, hate chaotic expressions of things. And even, and there is actually chaos within the matrix. There is chaos within the space, right? But you would be surprised how precise of a mathematical equation describes chaos within the matrix. It's actually all pre-planned and it's all digits. It's hmm. like all ones and zeros really at the end of the day. So everything is mental speaks to how this world was created. Because this world was created with the intellect at its heart, there are laws in here and they're not necessarily easy to bend because a mathematical mind likes to be able to get black and white answers. It doesn't like the in-between answers. And that's why, you know, within um, the matrix, if there is a law, it always operates and it always um, kind of like fires up. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, it's a fairly predictable system, right? Yeah. So as long as you know the laws, you'll be able to figure it out. So that's why they give it to you as a first principle. They're telling you, hey, listen, everything is mental. Right. So this world that you came in, this world that you incarnated to, the number one thing you need to know about it is that it's very logical. And then, by the way, they follow on and they give you all the rules. They give you all the laws. First, they tell you, hey, if only you understand that this is a logical universe 
and could follow the very few logical rules that we lay out to you, this is going to be a piece of cake game for you. We give you the game and we give you the rules. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, how do you know that um, this is not the principle of source? Because source is not all mind. Source is so many different things. Huh. Right? Even sense. if you think about the duality, when source split itself into two, part of it was mind and the other part of it was heart. Emotion, right? Yes, yes. So the feminine. So you couldn't look at source and you couldn't look at creation in its entirety and say everything is mental and get away with it. But within the matrix, you could because it is a creation of a particular creature, right? Mm. And that represents their point of view. That's very interesting. I just think that Kabbalah is also trying to explain the creation of the world and kind of maybe this is maybe a little bit misleading in the book at least uh, that mind is everything it's all so the one thing i'm going to tell you about kibalion is this version that you're referring to is probably has been written and rewritten at least three three hundred times right so part of it is also religious agenda so you're gonna kind of have to like separate the good stuff from the stuff that has been put in there for other intentions yeah so that's why i'm asking so to just understand uh how much we can trust uh this book it seems like it has some knowledge there but there is some agenda as well yeah so uh, for me to be able to comment on a particular aspect of the book i'm gonna have to get a little bit more specific I would have that. To ask. got it so I I'm not going to scan the full book right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes I sense. I don't think this is a good use of our time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, we can do it later. So if you want me to comment on a particular aspect of creation, the way Kibalion, this particular book that you're referring to talks about it, then tell me what, what they're saying and, you know, if you have a question around it. Awesome. That That's cool. We can do that uh, next time. Okay, so now it's the first principle is clear. And then you, it gives you the base for all the other principles, right? So it's kind of the foundation. Yeah, it is a foundation. I mean, like we can look at it so many different ways. And that's the beauty of like hermetic principles. Like y there is a first layer, like the very basic layer of uh, understanding of this. Um, then there are all these other layers on top as well. So you can like peel it off like an onion if you really wanted to. But, you know, another interesting way, right, is it um, everything is mental, which means everything starts with a thought or a word, right? Yeah. Um, you know how they say, like, first there, there was the word, then, you know, and, and then the word was with God and the word was God. Um, this, this is also, this talks, uh, although covertly, talks about the dominance and the energy of logos, right? The power of the word. Uh, because word and, and language, it's an intellectual construct. It is actually a very, it's energy that has been encapsulated into form. 
that's the word, right? Um, and everything is mental. All creation really starts with a word. And what that means is first you have this chaotic, really unfiltered, unstructured energy. Before that energy can become something, it has to get some type of form or shape. And one way to do that is through the energy of the thought and the energy of logos, the word. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Both, by the way, are containers for that energy. Right? As soon as energy is contained, by contained, I don't mean trapped. I just mean form or shape is given to it or molded rather than creation can become uh, possible, right? So everything is mind is really points you to that first inception point of how the matrix and thus all the things that you see around you have been created is through words. By the power of the mind. Yes. So when the architects create the matrix, they don't really type keys on like a computer or anything, but they do that through thought energy, thought forms. Hmm. So that, you know, thought form is really what created the matrix. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. And uh, because it's And that's why thought forms is also what creates your own reality, right? Is uh, because, you know, it kind of like really mimics. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because... I know that's one of the principles, right? But um, that is why your thoughts are also creating your reality is because that is the tool that these architects use to create the system. Because this is one of the tools, it's also going to work for you. Because you're like, uh, it's like the mimicking principle or the mirror principle or the, um, um, you know, as above, so below principle. Same thing. So also, if you look at how, how your life is created, it starts with a thought, then it produces an emotion, and then the thought plus emotion, the mind and the heart together, they give you your reality. But thought is the inception. That's point zero mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah, that's really cool. So we basically, if we want, we can go deeper and deeper and look at another layer layer another layer different perspectives right because it's kind of a, a very broad topic right yeah mm-hmm. got it that's very interesting okay so maybe uh, now let's look at the second principle uh the principle of uh, correspondence as above so below as below so above as within so without as without so within mm-hmm. what what does this mean so this basically talks to how a little bit how a mathematical brain functions. So when the architects were creating the matrix, they were faced with a few challenges. And the challenges were that they needed to create the universe that would be infinitely small and infinitely large. So meaning whatever place you join, whatever place you join, say like you join at um, your current size, right? Size of a human. You can keep zooming into a human and would still get worlds upon worlds upon worlds of things, right? So you would get into an organ as a world within the human body. You just zoomed in. 
you can zoom keep zooming in then there is a cell and within that cell there's still a universe and you can zoom in and it's a nucleus of that cell and within that there is a universe you can zoom into that and then there is like atom, atoms and then there are like even smaller particles and etc. You can go down to the smallest particle known to man and then there is going to be universes within that. At the same time, you can go to the macro level and keep zooming out actually as well. And, you know, if you like now you're human, you like um, zoom out and, you know, then you see the whole planet planet earth then you zoom out you see the solar system you zoom out and you see the milky way galaxy then you see the cluster of galaxies etc etc so they had to create a world that is going to be infinitesimally small and majestically large at the same time now i don't know how much you know about mathematicians but they tend to be <laughs> they tend they're lazy people, you know, if they don't have to do extra work, they're not going to do extra work. So they were looking for the one equation that would enable, like if written perfectly, you know, if they could perfect just one link of this puzzle, then they could write regressions based on that one equation that would take them into infinity. So, so they did. They defined one dimension, so to say, right? One aspect of reality really, really well. Like they spend a lot of time defining everything about that aspect. And then they used a simple regression to take it to the infinitely small place and to take the same thing into the infinitely large place. So what that means is it's kind of the same laws and the same rules only when you're going to the macro level, it's multiplication. Um, and when you go into the micro level, it's division. Meaning, as above, so below really speaks to how lazy the architects were. Because they decided to not write a new set of laws for all these different levels. That's why microbes, viruses, humans, planets, uh, solar systems and galaxies and everything all operate according to one set of equations because that's the only set really that has been written with enough clarity and enough detail to be able to describe such a complex system. That's why as above, so below is a mere hint that, hey, we actually learned just one set of equations and then we just like extrapolated it, just so you know. That's why from your perspective and you're just the perspective, your perspective is just like defined by an equation, right? In time and space. The fact that you are a human on a planet is somewhere in between. It's not the largest way to look at it. It's not the smallest way to look at it. It's somewhere in between. So um, that being said, you're going to experience a lot of as above, so below, because it is a very synchronous type of system, right? And you can find the same type of laws within your body, within your society, and within your solar system. And it sounds like they're kind of the same. Like like attracts like, for instance. Like like attracts like would be 
very like it would be similar between humans it would be true between planets it would be true between galaxies it would be true between viruses it's still the same law does that make sense that makes sense so what i'm trying to figure out now is um as a human as a person how can you use this principle in your day-to-day life like can you share maybe some practice or maybe something that people are very blind about right so so that can help them to use this principle to realize something important Hmm. I mean, as above, so below. I mean, like, for instance, let's look at father son relationship, right? And I, don't, I know I'm not answering because like you've actually an- asked a lot of questions in that one question and you gave me many options. That's why I'm like uh, trying to figure out which one is the best way to go. But like, let's start from the first and like, at least I can explain like, where can you see this, this rule, like as above, so below being applied. Um, um, basically, you have the sun, uh, the sun in the sky first. Then you have a father, and then he has a son, human son, right? This is an example of moving from the smallest to the biggest, but of a similar type energy. All three are masculine energies, only there are different dimensions. So the baby boy is the smallest of like of the three, right? Then the father is the in-between, and then the sun in the sky is the biggest, grandest energy. Now, the father in, in the, oh, oh, sorry, the sun in the sky is as much a father to the father of the boy as the father of the boy is the father to, to his son. So, generally speaking, for example, um... The father might be um, a very strict father uh, to his son because that is his perception of the son energy, right? So because every man and every woman actually on planet Earth develops a relationship with the celestial son as if it was their father, very often they would project on that son the relationship that they had with our human father, if that makes sense. And that is as above, so below. Meaning, whatever is true in the macro sector of your life is true for the macro situation as well. I'll try to give you another example. Um... Right now, humanity is dealing with um, the crisis of the heart a little bit. Uh, 
the crisis, uh, the crisis of compassion. And the, the green center, the heart center is not, it is a work in progress center. It's starting to open. It is starting to become active, but it is not fully in its, uh, healthy, serene state in the way that it is supposed to be. Gaia, uh, which is the planet that you all live on, um, is going through the same exact challenge. Her heart is not fully opened yet. It's starting to open up its first petals, right? And it's starting to go through that inner work. But the planet itself as an entity, as a being, hasn't worked through her heart issues yet. So it keeps attracting souls to it that are going through the same experience, that are going through experience of getting to know the heart, trying to understand love, both for themselves, their near and dear ones, as well as the universe at large. So as above, so below means the principle that every human being is experiencing on a personal level is something that planet Gaia is also experiencing at a macro level, at a different level of consciousness. But it also means that another way to, to like look at as above, so below is whatever each individual is experiencing, the collective is also experiencing. So a collective human shadow is the absence of self-love, actually. So self-love is a hard thing to find for any individual human as well as collective humanity, as well as planet Gaia, as well as the solar system, as well as the Milky Way galaxy. So it means that the Milky Way galaxy also is kind of going Hasn't fully healed the heart, yes. The heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, interesting. And uh, you basically, you go as high as you can and then you can go as deep as you can, right? And Correct. then all levels experience the same kind of problem issue yeah because it, it it's their frequency it's the vibration that attracted them to one another you have other galaxies that are dealing with the issues of the solar plexus chakra you have yet other galaxies that are dealing with the root chakra issues you have other galaxies that are dealing with the third eye right it's all different frequencies now they're going to attract souls at all different levels of creation with the same exact issue so to say right so the frequency remains the same whether you go to the super micro level or to the very macro level. For example, we can look at you as a human um, at, in, 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 um, in the context of you being the macro, right? Like you're being like uh, the planet, right? Within which, or the galaxy, whatever, within which you have your organs and, and you have your cells, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you are dealing with an issue of not enough self-love, every cell of your body is experiencing an absence of self-love. If we were to zoom into the cell level and then zoom in some more and look at the fundamental issue that that cell is experiencing, we would still find the absence of self-love or the struggle to finally find the self-love. 
because every cell in your body matches your vibration, the vibration of the whole. Otherwise, it would be a cell in somebody else's body, if that makes any sense. So the, the vibrations are corresponding to one another, meaning they're congruent, they're consistent, right? That's why they say, tell me who, you, who, who your friends are, and I will tell you who you are. <laughs> Same thing. Your friends, a little bit like of a macro factor compared to you, right? Like your universe sometimes. Because like the five, six, ten, whatever people, however many closest friends you have, they quite literally form your universe because these are the only people that you talk to. Now, I will tell you that you're probably hanging out with people who are vibrational matched to you. So by looking at them, I know exactly who you are as above, so below. Mm, interesting. So it's like same neighborhood, right? Same Correct. country. Yes. Attracts same people. Absolutely. In different neighborhoods, different zip codes, certain types of people tend to live. There's something in common that they have. Certain countries even, mm -hmm. right? Cities. The energy of New York City might be very different from the energy of Lisbon, for instance. And then there is a reason, right? Because like attracts like. Hmm. So what would be uh, the benefit for a person to master? And maybe how can one master this principle? Well, it's less about mastery and more about experiencing it. So the as above, so below actually speaks to the true unity of things, right? Um, humans actually tend to feel very isolated. They also tend to feel that their problems are exceptionally unique. And really, they're not. Like, if you look at the, uh, the whole humanity right now, even despite gender, I, we could probably boil down all of humanity's problems to about like a maximum of 10, 10 issues total for the whole planet. They're that not unique. Yeah. Wow. And so, A, that's a lesson in how interconnected everything is. And, but it's also a lesson in camaraderie, right? If you're going through something, that means that planets around you are going through the same thing. Other people around you are going through the same thing. You're not alone. Now, if you're having this issue, you know, the sun that you see in the sky, right? Um, you know, which is like, wow, it's such a powerful star has the same exact issues. Your sun in the solar system has issues with self-love. It's extremely tough on itself. It's a perfectionist. You know, very often um, in, um, in interviews, people are like, what's your weakness? I'm a perfectionist. The truth of the matter, everybody says they're a perfectionist. The truth of the matter is they're not even freaking lying. And that's the scary part. And you know who's a perfectionist? Somebody that doesn't have enough self-love. So they think they need to be perfect in order to deserve that. Right? Wow. So the reason that, like, mastering the principle, it's not even so much about mastering the principle, it's like mastering yourself more so than, than anything, right? Um, look within, but also look without, right? Like, look outside. There are so many hints within, like, 
well, maybe let's start with within first, right? Like look within your body and really learn to read what it's telling you. But then if you ever get confused about what are the signals or what these signals mean, look outside. Because whatever issues you're experiencing, you're going to see other people go through the same exact stuff. That is why, you know, communities are so important. That's why people are, um, you know, a, a herd species, so to say. They're a communal species. Is because by looking at somebody else experiencing something or going through something, you learn yourself about you. Because ultimately, all of you are going through the same exact struggle. Just under a different sauce. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of a big... Um, I don't know how to put it. It's a big reveal that whatever you experience, also the, for example, the sun experience. Absolutely. Right, because you're not And the moon alone. and Venus and Jupiter and Saturn, all of them. Yeah, because you think, oh, I have this unique issue. <laughs> and you don't. And then, boom, <laughs> it's actually the entire universe is experiencing. Correct. Huh. Correct. That's crazy. <laughs> all right. Um, let's talk about the next one the principle of vibration nothing rests everything moves everything vibrates how what does this mean so um it, it's kind of it's kind of funny right um again the grand mathematicians were a little bit lazy and um, there are shortcuts. There's always shortcuts like in how the matrix was created because like it's a pretty big undertaking even for uh, souls that are exceptionally powerful and, and smart and, you know, evolved, whatnot. So they recognized a few things, right? Uh, their world was static a little bit. Like when they, when they wrote these mathematical equations, this was static. Uh, it was, you know, black was black, white was white, uh, the sun was <laughs> in the sky and, and you know, um, the river was on the ground and it was kind of, um, should I say boring almost? Um, so what ended up happening or what rather the concern was, you know, when players and you all are players right would start descending into this artificial system it's going to start looking extremely artificial right and when something looks extremely artificial you guys are too too smart for your own good and you start calling bs on something that looks artificial right now the game of vr requires full immersion if at any point in time you notice that something doesn't match up hello um um, Mandela's principle um, and you know deja vu all of that are inconsistencies in the matrix but you guys start doubting everything and this is not necessarily this was not necessarily the intention of the architects right so they needed to create a world that was going to be entirely believable so they created what's called the ripple effect 
a ripple effect is in in basically how they they coded that is they defined a range of quote unquote normal behavior for everything in the observable observable universe. Uh, so they designed the amplitude of things, the speed of things, the uh, you know the rotation of things, etc. And they said, okay, like this is the movement that you're going to do. You like they defined movement for things. You know, you move up and down, you move down up, like you crawl, you fly. Uh, you know, I think you get my point, right? And then they designed the amplitude or the range of those movements. Meaning, if we're at point zero, right? They defined the range that was going to be normal for each of these uh, creatures. Or, and by a creature, I don't just mean like an animal or a plant. It could be like a mountain or it could be or how like magma moves within like a volcano and things like that, right? So they had to define all of this. And ideally, they wanted to define it with as few equations as was possible, right? Because there's so many. It's like so many um, different types of uh, entities and things and everything that we're creating. So if we started at point zero, they would generally define um, a healthy range from like, say, minus five to plus five or minus 10 plus 10. So all of the movement within that range would be considered the range of that particular animal or species or like uh, mountain and whatnot. And then they actually randomize those vibrations. So everything flows nothing always stays the same right so they've defined the the vibrations for each of these organisms and then each of these organisms are existing all at the same time right now they all have the healthy range and they're moving kind of like randomly within that healthy range there's not that much primal reason and when everything in its entirety comes together each of these millions of let's say things and organisms the likelihood just because the range is still pretty vast for each one of them and collectively the number of combinations i don't know if you've ever studied combinatorics uh, but um the more how do i explain this in a very very simple way like if you have um Arguably, right? If you have four suits um, in a in a deck, the likelihood of you getting one of the four or drawing one of the four would be twenty five percent, right? But if you had, um, I don't know, a million suits, the likelihood of drawing that one, you know, particular suit would be just a point zero 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 one percent. Right. So because each of these things, each of these creatures, etc., have their range, and that's a pretty significant range. If you place all of them in the same bowl, which is in essence what they did, what is the likelihood that you're going to draw the same exact vibration of all of them collectively? It's pretty much non-existent. It's pretty much zero. It's close to zero. It's like so minuscule that it's pretty much impossible. So what they're saying here is everything dynamic and everything is always moving. 
and it's basically like things would never go back to the same spot because the likelihood of those vibrations matching is, is non-existent. Now, mathematically, and the reason this was created is initially to create an illusion of movement, but also um, it, it is a very persistent illusion, right? So when you're in the matrix, you hardly ever experience things remaining the same. There is always something changing because all of these things are playing within their range one way or another, right? So even if you're waking up in the same exact room, like a groundhog day, 365 days a week, you would wake up in a different mood because something somewhere changed and it all operates like a butterfly effect. Like one vibration from the North Pole might affect, affect something on the South Pole might affect you. If that makes any sense. So despite the fact that the amplitude of a chair that you don't move pretty much is non-existent because that's how it was defined, there are still other things that are happening in this world. Like inside of the Earth, magma is still moving. You know, the planets are still moving. The sun is still moving. The earth is rotating, right? So despite the fact that in your immediate surroundings, nothing might have changed, everything has changed. Because all these other organisms are vibrating and they're not static. And that is what creates learnings. And that is what creates opportunity for people to do it over again. To start over. Is because it gives them room for error and room to kind of breathe, right? Because nothing is static and no mistake is final. Because guess what? We, the world's already moved on from your mistake. Like who cares? Hmm. Right? Yeah. That does not kind of like does not already exist. That's very interesting. Okay. So, and then also based on the frequency, something that vibrates very slowly we see it as a material thing, for example. Correct. And then something is that vibrates really fast. Uh, your physical frequency. eye wouldn't be able to see. You cannot see. But you, uh, you might still perceive through your other senses, depending on the level of vibration, depending on your level of perception, and depending on your own, um, you know, reception, receptive mechanisms. Each of you have like, um, like little antennas and, and radars and things like that let's say different tools that are inbuilt and put into your different light bodies. Hmm. Okay. And as a regular person, uh, how would one use this knowledge in a day-to-day -day life? How can it be used? Like, how can you experience it? Well, they say you can't walk into the same water twice, right? Yeah. Same river twice. Mm -hmm. It's not the same you and it's not the same river. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you're experiencing this all day, every day. Like I said, nothing really remains the same. Everything is always changing. You're changing. People around you are changing. So I don't know that you could 
stop experiencing it if you tried. The one thing that's impossible to experience is the absence of this. So it's really hard for me to answer your question. Mm -hmm. It's like you cannot stop and freeze things. Yeah, I understand that. Maybe uh, what are the some false beliefs that people have that maybe don't well, allow them to experience this? Well, the false belief in, 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 in this is I'm stuck. Uh-huh. Well, you cannot be stuck, darling, because you have your own set of vibrations. And as you like being stuck as a perception and being stuck as a fallacy and being stuck as an illusion. Because you yourself are vibrating. Because according to this law, everything is vibration and everything is ever changing and everything is dynamic. So by definition, you cannot be stuck. Yeah. It's impossible. It's just impossible. Yeah. According to the laws of physics, I guess. Because physics really describes how the matrix works. So really... It's, it's, it's one and the same with the hermetic principles, or at least it's attempting to, to get that level of understanding. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so basically, but by experiencing or understanding this principle, you can finally unstuck. Uh, well, you can change your perception, right? Yeah. Now, again, like the uh, not every single principle is going to be applicable to every single thing right and uh some of these principles are very big picture to make them actionable more like a philosophy correct got it that's really cool awesome there are more principles uh but we're gonna talk about them next time uh thank you so much for sharing all this amazing information with us today now i'm going to end our session I'm very grateful for the information you provided us today. I'm asking the higher self to receive to where it belongs with much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given Maria today. I know that our listeners are really going to appreciate it. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.